to the millions listening around the world and welcome to our very first episode of A Wee Bit of Everything with your hosts Lewis Cleland and Clark Burrow. We've always wanted to start a podcast over the past wee while, however, we've been unsure of the content and like many other things, we've put it in the back burner. I think it's actually taken a global pandemic for us to get the finger out with this one and get it up and running. What do you make of that, mate? Every cloud's got a silver lining, mate, eh? No, no. That's one of the podcasts. Through having that wee bit of spare time has enabled us to push forward with the podcast, so I'm delighted to get started. On the podcast, we will cover topics in teaching, fitness, our daft running challenges that we try to accomplish, along with successes and failures in the process. So some personal stories and we'll be hoping to get some guests on the podcast in the future who have got a good knowledge and the aforementioned topics and hopefully they can bring some some, yep. some good stories along with them, a bit of banter onto the podcast as well. So if all goes well, we should be uploading a couple uh, a podcast every couple of weeks. What do you think? I think it'll go from strength to strength. The mean you're involved anyway. We've got enough time in our hands anyway with this lockdown. What do you, what, how, how are you coping with this lockdown carry on anyway? I was grounded quite a lot in my childhood, so I'm used to this, you know. Uh, I've got the I've got the skill set. I thought to myself when when the minute Boris announced it on the Monday night, he said uh, we'll, we'll be in lockdown for three weeks. I thought to myself when I was got in my bed, I was like, what could I do? So caught me caught me a challenge, try to run at least five k every day, which I've been able to achieve up until now. That's day ten, so that's keeping me keeping me uh, ticking over. Gets me out, gets me a bit fresher, and uh, but I guess I'm going to be focused today so I'll build my routine around, around the 5k so that's going to be every single day in lockdown is that your plan? every single day in lockdown so that'll be right. 20 days if my maths is right and less Boris obviously there's big, there's big talk about getting extended so that means just, I mean, you need to extend that as well extend, extend the challenge I just need to keep chipping on with it I seen a guy on Facebook the other day he'd, he'd had a 100 miler in his living room 100 miles run a rug in his living room what do you make of that? <laughs> what size was the rug? <laughs> a wee one. He was dizzy. He must have been dizzy. I'm dizzy thinking about it. <laughs> How else um, am I coping with lockdown? I'm, I'm eating a bit better, I would say. I'm actually not in my own house, so that probably helps. I'm loving with the, the in-laws, so it's not, as, it's not your own space. So I think I'm eating a bit better. Helping and I've got a good routine set. Yeah, uh, doing my exercise, going to, going to walk, trying to keep working from home as well no. uh, with, with the with the PE department, trying to keep up regular contact with them and developing developing work. Uh, so when we go back, we're ready to hit the ground running. Hope that's all. How are you, Cotton? PE teaching's definitely not the same from from afar, is it? <laughs> I think you can replace it. I think our jobs are replaceable. I think that's what we're trying to, starting to find out. I certainly agree with you on that one. Um, so it'll be good to get back to it. And how how are you getting on back at moving on back at your mum's after your, uh, in the big your eight months away? Is your mum not to is your mum not to biscuit tin through the padlock away? <laughs> Costing her a fortune in footballs here. Um, I know I've just been trying to find productive ways to fill my time as well. So like you said, I think a routine's well important. Um, I've been using my wee teacher planner and I've been doing I've been writing down my routine, just try to keep the same routine every day. So starting off my day with a wee bit of Joe Wicks, thank God for him by the way, because that's a you know godsend in the morning. It's a nice, easy workout to get your day kick started, and then you feel productive after that. So you can start. Yeah, somebody was telling me, somebody was telling me the date 
that he actually is a PE teacher, like qualified. He's actually a qualified PE teacher. I didn't he? know that, but anyway, sorry for interrupting. Are you sure? Aye, qualified PE teacher, but then went down the kind of fitness route. Oh, I knew he was a personal trainer, but I wasn't sure he was a PE teacher. That's no, he's done, it, he's, done it, he's done his qualifications. Oh, brilliant. Oh, well, that's good then. So that's PE with Joe then? Ah, let's not get into that. That's for a, a, a full podcast. We can talk about that. <laughs> hey, my, so start my day off with, with some exercise, then I'll do, do some work from home. So set the my, my classes a task for the week and just kind of be on and off that, just giving them feedback and responding to emails if, if need be. Um, I've got a hold of a guitar. Always wanted to try and learn how to play the guitar. So I've been spending about half an hour, 45 minutes a day trying to learn how to play that. So we're starting to get some tunes together. So we'll maybe do a wee karaoke podcast down the line. Happy days. I'm a good singer. Uh, well, I like to think I'm. We tell the, should we tell the millions of listeners then a wee bit about an educational journey? The millions? Why? Aye, aye, go for it. Why not? So why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and how you, your journey to becoming a PE teacher. What was the route that you took to get to where you are today, essentially. I think I'm the only one in Scotland that's took this route. Anyway, I'll give it a... I'll try and run through some stuff. Uh, I, I was quite lucky when I was in fourth year, I wanted to be a PE teacher. So my last year of school, uh, I left after, at the end of fourth year, um, was able to move into college in Glasgow. So I studied NQ sports coaching at the age of 15, moved into the big bad city of Glasgow. Um, just have to get a bus at 10 to 7 in the morning from Douglas, which is a small village, 30 miles of Glasgow, mm-hmm. and then get a train from Lanark. So it was a long, hard travel in and out. But it gave me the tools to be independent and kind of organise my day, and make sure I was in in time. But it was a long day, um, but good preparation, I suppose. Yeah, time management's massive, especially in teaching. Mm-hmm. So I was there for three years, done an NQ sports coaching and HND sports coaching. I was then able to get in. Now you can go into third year at uni. Yeah, if you've done the HND, so uh-huh. I managed to skip the first two years at uni, go into third year, and done two years there, including honours at Hamilton at UWS, just uh-huh. at Hamilton there, yeah. and then got into my PGDE year. So I wanted to impact the next generation, which is my teacher training year at Strathclyde Uni. So I was back into Glasgow for that, and back then probation year. So I... What? Back up that big hill. Oh, that hill! That hill! What was it like? I mean, I had three years of that, and I thought I'd get rid of it, and I was back two years later. I was, it's all right coming, coming down the hill when you come to the student union at 12 o'clock at night, but it's hard, hard enough to get up at half eight in the morning. I caught you getting a taxi up the hill once when I was going to college. Wasn't it me? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I started my master's during my PGD year, so I've actually got a master's in education as well, because I continued that during my probation year and my first year of teaching, so I took three years. Uh, so aye, um, that's really a kind of wee brief outline of. Well, that's brilliant. Aye, that's a so what are your a unique route to take. A lot of people leave after six year, don't they? But you were, you were, you you kind of had a a vision. You knew what you wanted to do, which is quite unusual at that age. So that's clearly a bonus. And I think the thing is, a lot of my friends stayed on at six year and then became PE teachers. But we ended up in, we ended up in probation at the same time. So it was. Four years for me and six years for them. Yeah. I actually ended up in prob- on probation year with one of my pals from school. at the same school. So it was That's just cool. a different route with different experiences, but I believe my route was better. Now, well, you, you've got two degrees at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've got more degrees than a thermometer, as my dad says. <laughs> Tell your daddy's pals stinking. 
<laughs> what about your journey? Hey, my journey was slightly, slightly different for yours. I wasn't sure on what I wanted to do. I stayed on to sixth year and got a few hires under my belt and then I t- took a couple of years out. I got a, a job in a gym down in New Lanark where I was a, a wee leisure attendant to start with. And then they, they put me through my fitness instructor qualification and that was what gave me my first experience of teaching and coaching um, through a fitness environment. So I was doing like spin fit. Uh, circuits and kettlebells, often aquafit. My God, that was a bane of my life. But um, it gave me. Did they put you through that for nothing? Yeah, they put me through it for it for, for nothing, which was great. So that got. That's me... really lucky because it's quite pricey. Yeah, the 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 it was a level two fitness instructor. So I there, I think there are a few hundred quid. I think maybe about five hundred pounds at the time. Um, oh, so they put me through that, and that's what gave me my first introduction into the into teaching, essentially. And then after a couple of years working there, I'd been to, I did Camp America and worked with, with young people through sports. And that's what came, the idea of applying to college, which I did after I came back. And then I went in and did my HNC and HND, the same college at the city of Glasgow. And then, like yourself, went into my third year at uni. But I never did my honours degree. So I just got into my, my postgrad, just my, third, my undergrad. Um, so that saved me oh, a bit of time because you're a PE teacher as opposed to a sports development officer. Um, and then I, that was me, and then I managed to finish my probation year. And that's me into full-time teaching now, which is, which is good. So slightly different route from yourself. I wasn't too sure what I wanted to do after school, so I took a couple of years out to think about it, um, which I think has benefited me as well because it's made me certain of my career choice and what I wanted to do. So, yeah. Super. Right, so moving on, moving on to the main part of the show, about a, lo- a month-long trip to Brazil, the World yeah. Cup 2014. We were only 19 and 20 years of age. 19. That takes us back a few years now. Nines, man. We only became pals the year before that. I'm sure I, I, you would have been 18, I would have been 19 at the time. Yep. Uh, out in Glasgow, I'm sure. Uh, I think we met in the Arches, which was just about an eight club in the city centre, for those of you who can remember that. Shut down now, but so we went to Brazil. Um, before we went to Brazil, the whole idea of the trip was to take in a World Cup. But even more importantly, more importantly than that, was to develop our coaching abilities at the time. So having we're both licensed, you have a licensed coaches, um, and I'm still coaching football at the minute. But the main idea of the trip was to go to Brazil and learn from from who we thought were the kind of masters of coaching and to see a different way of, a different style of coaching, a different style of players and a different environment. So it was a whole kind of exchange idea. We give them some information about us and we take, take some things from them. Uh, we didn't actually go to a game during the World Cup, uh, but our main goal, as I said, was to learn from the Brazilian football coaching methods. So we were able to take in three clubs Two in Brazil, down the south of Brazil, and one in Argentina, which Lois will speak about in a wee bit, of, a wee bit later. Um, but I, mate, what do you think? The World Cup—it was too hard to not back, wasn't it? Oh, it was the best. That was one of the best experiences in my life, man. Just a full month out in South America, just so naive to what the cut, like to the whole travelling and everything, and just getting out there. We just we we were just fresh. We were just fresh out of school almost. 
we're just out there in South America, just living it up. It was an absolute dream, man. It was amazing. Just the atmosphere, engaging with all the fans from all over the world. It was just an absolute... It was something I'll never, ever forget, put it that way. It was just incredible. Being on the beach for the fans fest and all that. There was just so right, many man. amazing things that that just summed that yep. world up. With all the, the apprehensions and fears I had going over because the stories you hear about South America, about the crime rates and all that kind of thing. But... To be honest with you, when we got to Rio, I had never felt safer because the police presence that was there, the way it was all ran, everybody was in great spirits. And I don't think we actually seen one bit of bother, to be honest with you. So it's, you can hear all these things by people trying to put fear into you before going to these places. And then they just, half the time, people just don't know what they're talking about. They've never been, they've never experienced it, and they're just talking nonsense. Um, I think you really need to go and experience these things for yourself to make a, a valid um, opinion on it. Which is you made a great you made a great point there. Just don't let the external affect the internal. Yeah. So don't don't listen to people who are telling you different things because it's just a perception that they've got from the outside. They've never probably actually been to Brazil. Um, yeah. And I, I remember hearing people saying that you get cut up and all that. You get you get stabbed. You get shot if you go up the wrong the wrong streets. But never in the place was the place was so safe. It was actually the best time to go because of the police presence. Oh, the event was so, absolutely. It was brilliant. The event was it was put on brilliantly. I know there was like a lot of political issues and stuff like that within the country itself, but from an outside perspective, going over to travel the country at that particular time, I thought it was superb. You get a bit of political unrest everywhere you go anyway, so it's not any different. But when we did get there, we were a wee bit anxious about the the city, obviously just naturally. So we got at the airport, got this wee bus, five quid bus into the city centre. And then I had to get a taxi to our hostel. So we tried to flag a taxi down. Don't know if you remember this. I always remember how anxious we were. Yeah. Um, and we, we thought that we tried to get the Google Maps up to the hostel. Couldn't find the the hostel in the Google Maps. We found a street next to it. And managed to find the, 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 the directions for that. But we ended up just telling the taxi driver to stop because it was... <laughs> the hostel was like a wee tin hut just sitting up, in the, up on a hill. It didn't even look like a... didn't even look like it was... Fit for everybody to live in. And it was like a poor holiday, wasn't it? Aye, so we just got the taxi driver to drop us off. He must have thought, what the hell are these boys doing? Um, we just kind of jumped out of his taxi. Don't even think we paid, did we? What's that? Oh, I was it through an app. I can't, I can't really remember. Yeah, so we were able just to get out and run away, sort of thing. Aye. Um, backpacks on. Absolute not a clue. Someone's coming up, I remember how roasting it was as well. Try to walk to the hostel. Had about an hour, two miles to go because we jumped at the taxi in fear, just pure fear taking over. <laughs> right, why don't you tell us um, about the the first football experience, the football coaching experiences um, after yeah. with the Rio when we landed? So where was it? Was it Tupic Gaspar or something? Was that the, the name of the place where we went? Gaspar was that the boy? Yeah, the name of the pl- the name of the place was Gaspar, and the name of the club was Club Atletico Tupic Gaspar. So as I was saying, we visited we visited the club two in Tina, um, and this one in Gaspar was a boys' club academy that fed into the local team, which was the second club we went to, which was called Club Atletico Metropolitano. Right, so you're probably thinking, um, how did we organise it? We organised it through LinkedIn. For those of you who don't know, it's just another platform for professional connections, and we we reached out to five or six coaches in Brazil and Argentina, just asking, willing to come over and learn learn some different coaching methods, learn how you do it in America and Argentina, South America. And 
someone got back to us, one person got back to us in Brazil, the guy Carlos, so he was there to meet us in the, the town gas pass and take us to the club, along with a football player who'd made it professionally. So we met Carlos in the town gas park and Raphael Schmidt, the player was, he played for Lille and uh, Birmingham. So he came through the youth academy at Gaspar, which was a club that we visited. He was there along with Carlos. And they took us through, they asked us to plan a session actually, which we didn't expect. So we had to then take the team under the 13, I think it was, to a training session. So we just worked on basic technique and dribbling can, and attacking. Can we backpedal a wee bit? You had to take a session through a training session. I hadn't even started. I had no experience coaching football at this point at all. I was just standing there. You were leading them in a 1v1 draw or something. I was just standing there telling the kid, tell, pointing, just like <laughs> my big finger. Good job, wee man. Through the cones. Good job. Bring the ball back. Next. Two. Go. Well done. I think I'm Jose Mourinho. Well, the good thing is you haven't played. You haven't played for Queens Park in the Youth Academy. The only thing you were good for, the only thing you were, you were good for, was a demo. I think I nutmegged you in a few of them. I don't know. I was just to give you a bit of confidence because I knew you were lacking in it at that point. <laughs> I was at my depth. Anyway, there. Listen, it was a, it was a great experience. But then before we know it, we're just about to pick up our last couple of cones. And I always remember to this day, it's clear as day, turned around and there was this TV camera for the local TV station and the reporter for the local TV station. Now, there's still a clip to this day on YouTube and Malouis and myself trying to give an interview in Scottish, probably it was. Um, so embarrassing, man. <laughs> about the World Cup, about why we were there, about, about what, what the session was entailing, about you know the whole kind of connection that we're trying to create. It was basically we're trying to create a partnership with the club in Brazil. Uh and yeah, it was it was it was never racking, wasn't it? Okay, I was I, I was uh, watching that video back, it's uh, I just want the, the ground to swallow me whole man. It's the most embarrassing thing ever. But it was a good experience. <laughs> was... I never thought it would have been on the Brazil T V. What's that? I never thought it would have been on the local T V, uh, put it that way. No, it's just probably so I was like, what the heck have they brought the the, the local TV out here for us for just two wee daft boys for Lark. <laughs> they're bringing the, the local TV out except for celebrities man it must just be so alien to them but just two British boys going out there 19 year old like that must just never ever happen because it was just such a small town in the south of Brazil it must have been the most random thing ever for them yeah it would have been if you think about it if that, if that happened to you you'd be that's like two Brazilians coming to Douglas <laughs> no, no. You mean you I mean, know you'd stand, stand out like a sore thumb. I think we certainly stood out like a, a sore thumb that day. But, I mean, it was so unexpected, but didn't, we didn't run away from the, the challenge. No, we never. We had to confront it. I was absolutely terrified as soon as that camera and mic started coming towards us. But anyway, what what was the other? Did we did we do any other club visits in the south of Brazil? We went to the Metropolitano one, didn't we? After that. Yeah, they actually played a friendly game when we were there. We watched their build-up to a game against Independiente. Not oh, Internacional, sorry. Dida was their build up. Internacional, weren't he? Dida, the, the Brazilian yeah. Dida. Uh, the Brazilian Dida was playing. Uh, we were, yeah, we were was, there watching the game. Big names. I can't remember. It was, it, was, it, was, it was in the middle of nowhere, but this stadium, wasn't it? It was 
but we watched our build up to training uh, for the game, which was was really insightful. Um, they were working on a lot in shape. They were doing a transition drill, so it was like three teams attacked the defence. Yeah. And then when the defenders team won it, they then became the attackers, and the other team went in as the defenders. So it was no, it was good to see how the the coach that that was all the session was the day before the game. Yeah. Pretty similar to here, I suppose. Um, but as we as we left that club, we then headed down to Argentina. Uh, to the club visit, which was right in Buenos Aires, which was a, you know, the passion that they have for football there was on another level. I thought to Brazil. Um, that was the day we arrived. Tell us a wee bit about that. Eh? We arrived in Buenos Aires, and um, we did, it was just after a twenty-two hour long bus journey. That was the longest bus journey in my life. But um, the when we, when we got there, I, I, I think I went for a sleep. Didn't when we arrived, it was a Germany Brazil game. So I think it was the quarter final. Was it the semi final? Semis, wasn't it? That was a quarter final with the Brazil one. Was it? No, because no, it would have been the semis. Like his Holland, like, like his Brazil and Holland played for third. Aye, so we got there and I went for a nap. And you, I can mind you coming up to the hostel room waking up saying it was like three 0 to Germany, and I was like, the game's just kicked off. I thought you were at it. And then I came down, it was like 3-0, and then we went out for food, and then 4-0, and they, the, the Germans were just banging the goals in. And then uh, Brazil managed to, to get one back, and then that was just a shock result, because Brazil were having a pretty good tournament. Like, they were they were doing pretty well. Um, until oh, they, but it's like, it's they just like, I don't know see, what happened. See that, see that game? Um, that was their heaviest inflicted defeat, apart from... Nine, in nineteen twenty, they get beat six 0 off Uruguay, so that was that, that that actually equaled their heaviest ever defeat in their whole history. And if you think about Brazil over the years, and never ever ever get a like that, so that's that, that equals their heaviest victory. It just shows you the kind of magnitude of that game. They were crying, weren't they? I remember David Luiz in floods of tears after the game. I can remember it clear as day. We were just sitting, getting a bite, eating this Argentinian cafe. That was mental, man. And then we went out, didn't we? The next couple of nights later, we went out to the semis, watched the, the hall. Chile Capo. No, 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 that would have been a quarter because Argentina played Holland in the semis. Oh, aye. aye, aye that was the night before. Right, right. Sorry, I'm confusing myself. Aye, Argentina played Holland in the semis, Brazil played Germany in the semis. Um, and aye, Argentina went through in, in penalties. And I think to our benefit, they went through in penalties because we were standing there looking... Very, very Dutch. We are blonde hair, blue eyes. I've got an orange Adidas top on, which could quite easily have been thought to be a, a Holland top. It looked, it looked very much like a Holland top. And um, a good job they won because everybody was in high spirits. Because I think it can be quite a hostile place when football's concerned. Plenty of it. <laughs> because it was just <laughs> white. It was an absolute party in the... <laughs> The, the avenue, wasn't it? In Buenos Aires. On the morning in the final, but that was was quite an eye-opener to, to you and I. Me and you were quite naive going over there. We were very young. We didn't know what to expect. So we were kind of trying to just keep our wits about us as best we could. We were, we were, going, for, we were going for breakfast in this wee bakery. A wee Argentinian mm-hmm. woman said to us that, um, are you, are you, but where are you guys from? And we're like, Scotland. So she, and then she was like, you're not German? I was like, no, if we're from Scotland. Because oh, you look very German. I was like, all right. <laughs> I was like, didn't even think anything of it. She's like, be careful tonight if you are out in Argentina because obviously it's the final, um, and the Argentine Argentinian fans are 
are crazy. And we're like, that's probably a blessing in disguise that we bumped into that wee woman. So, we, what is it, did we get a Chinese? We just sat in the hotel room, didn't we, and watched the final in the hotel. And then, obviously, Germany won. So, it was, def- um, it was definitely a, a blessing, I think, that we bumped into that woman and stayed in the hotel room that night. Because I can remember, crystal clear the next night, we went out for dinner. And then we seen it in the news that there was riots on the main avenue just out from our hotel, where we probably would have been on the way back to the hotel after the game. The, poli- the riot police were battling with the fans. There was tear gas. There was uh, broken windows, broken bus shelters. So we could have been quite easily caught in the middle of that. So I think it was lucky that we actually... It was a smart move that we just stayed in and watched it because we managed to get all the atmosphere up until then and, and um, sadly had to watch the game in the... In the hotel room, but I, I think it was for our best interests that we did that. Yeah, I think the thing is, during that, I don't know if you remember, but everywhere we went, people were saying, everywhere we went, Alemania, which is German and Spanish. Yeah. Everywhere we went, everybody would ask us, Alemania, we'd be like, no, Scotia, Scotia. We went and bought out uh, two Argentina scarves to try and hide the fact that we were, <laughs> well, not hide the fact, we're not hiding anything, just to try and make it clearer that we were, that we were Scottish, but right. that we're not for having it. Been- that we weren't German. <laughs> no, do you remember the guy? Do you remember the guy that walked by us after all this after we bought the scarves and everyone laughed at us for putting them on and this guy <laughs> walked by with a German tracker? <laughs> 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 Good luck to you, mate. <laughs> why come here? Why come to the hotel room? We'll start the Chinese. Uh, I'm pretty sure they had no shoes on, but... Aye, <laughs> uh, so that was mental. Aye, and then we visited, uh, what was it, Independiente, Club Independiente in Buenos Aires was one of the clubs that we went and um, visited, watched a few coaching sessions, and got to speak with some of the coaches of the, their youth academy. Yeah, um, so that was quite. Uh, as well. Aye, that was a that was just a stadium tour, but but the yeah, yeah. the the coaching visit was was interesting in Argent in Buenos Aires because the facilities had so much potential. They had a great big space. They had clubhouses. Um, they had a swimming pool. <laughs> Didn't have any water in it, but they had the facilities there. And it's just a shame because they just don't have the money to to maintain them and make them good for the, the young players coming through and it just goes to show you what we take for granted these kids have they, they just live and breathe football they, they're playing on really bumpy surfaces they don't have your 3G and 4G pitches like we do here um, certainly where we were at that point in time they never um, and also the kids get rationing packs from the club so the, the coaches will give them food for the week for their families in return for them playing for the club and then their only way out of a better life down there is to make that transfer over to Europe and hopefully play for a big club. Yeah, I think you made a good point about the kind of the passion that they need to show in order to make a way, make a life for their family. Um, but touching on the, the club, there was uh, the guy that met us there. We actually organised it through Jose Mourinho's scout when he was working in, in Milan. It was Juan Cruz Alzelmi. He was... The, the head of youth there he was brilliant with us took us in with open arms and we were able to watch uh, Gabriel Milito take a session as well or was it Diego Milito? I think, I think it was Gabriel Milito Right so he was the reserve coach at Independiente so we were able to watch him take his team through a, a crossing and finishing drill so I mean it was a once in a lifetime experience really to go there but in nine clubs anyway you, you just spoke about with the environment as well you, they don't have the best of the facilities. So when they go on to a pitch where it's been cut to a, to a tee, it's been it's, it's been uh, watered 
you know, because all the pitches are really dry and bobbly. So yeah, when they go, when they go, when they go, when they go into a well maintained pitch, they're able to showcase their ability even more with, with the ball. So yeah. because they're used to training in a, a tougher environment with the, the ball bobbling about, and they need to take that extra touch potentially. Yeah, my interpretation of it over there was, I, like I said, they need to live and breathe football as a way out for the families, whereas here we've just got an abundance of opportunities as we're growing up, for the best part, through school. We've got so many extracurricular clubs to choose from. We've got all the, the gadgets and the technology and stuff that we've got to choose between that and all the different options that we have and the opportunities, which kind of makes the passion fizzle out a wee bit for the young people and the UK and Europe because they have all these opportunities growing up. Because they they only have literally a lot a high the poverty in Buenos Aires and Brazil is a totally different scale than it is in Glasgow or, or Edinburgh. I mean, the only thing they have a lot of the kids growing up there is football. That is the only thing they have is a ball, and they just practice football continually. And their passion and love for it it's more of an external motivation as well. Mm-hmm. To, to try and make a living for their family and themselves in the future. Yeah. So it's really interesting. It's a culture. It's a massive culture over there. Like playing yeah. and being just involved in football. Yeah. Spot on. I mean, and the passion in Argentina was at a totally different level from even Rangers and Celtic, I would say. The whole passion for their country and the football was at, yeah. at a different level. Just had a different feel about it, didn't it? I never thought I would say that, though. I always thought that we, we were kind of one of the most passionate and patriotic countries, but Argentina was definitely a couple of notches up. Yeah, I felt that as well. South America. Anyway, I think so, we should wrap, wrap that up there. I think that was, I think we've covered a, a quite a bit in, in our trip to Brazil and a, a fair introduction to to ourselves and the podcast and what to expect from it. So, Just to wrap it up, a couple of uh, takeaway messages from the podcast what can we tell the listeners and what can how can you sum up what you've said Lewis? have you got a key takeaway message that you would like to share my, with the listeners my key takeaway message from this episode would be in regards to lockdown the situation that we all find ourselves in is with every challenge we face brings an opportunity and by that I mean it gives us time to learn new skills spend quality time with our family and focusing on things that you wouldn't otherwise get the chance to do because of jobs and other commitments. What about yourself? Do you have any key takeaway messages from today's episode? My, my key takeaway message would have to be around about the coaching side of things in Brazil. Uh, you know, the coaching environment that they that, that they uh, find themselves in with the players playing. I think over there, they're able to cope more independently and they're more self-sufficient as a result of that because they have to fend for themselves more. The motivation's there as well, to, as, we, as we said earlier, for the players to make a, a way out for their family and try and make a life for their family. Yeah. Um, one other wee thing that I learned from the coaching side of things was the big focus on positive team dynamics with, with their training sessions. Yeah. Um, they were always doing stretching in twos and threes and groups. They were never doing anything individual. It was very much focused very, on that. It was very social, wasn't it? Uh, it was a massive social focus. Um, which I thought was was different from how we do it. So, no, all in all, a great trip, and um, we were actually lucky enough to go back in 2017, which I'm sure we'll cover in another podcast coming up. 
So if you enjoyed today's episode, we would really appreciate it if you could give us a wee like in social media and share it to spread the word. This is our first attempt, so like anything, the more we do it, the better they will become. That's what they tell you anyway. Lewis. Clark. Alemania. Escocia. Escocia. <laughs> Thanks very much for listening and we hope you took something away from this episode today and if not, at the very least, we hope you enjoyed our wee story about our trip to the Brazil World Cup in 2014. Take care and we look forward to recording more episodes of the podcast and sharing them with you.